Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing this morning? I feel some joy in this room this morning. Uh, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. It really is my joy to be here uh, with all of you. And we're going we're gonna to be unpacking this theme together a little bit this morning. My, my prayer as we do is that we might be able to experience some of the joy of the Lord in this place, as we've already done a bit together this morning. Well, in 2017, there were two happiness experts. Yes, that is a thing, happiness experts, uh, who came together and compiled a list of the 10 most joyful travel destinations in the world. They called their project the Joy Index. And uh, they, they, their thesis was that travel makes us happy. That the process of planning a trip, uh, of going someplace new, of the experiences that we, that we have when we're there, and even the journey back home is something that, that creates happiness. It adds to our happiness. So uh, they created this list of the 10 most joyful places in the world to travel. Any guesses of places that might be on this list? Hawaii, Hawaii, the big island of Hawaii in particular was on there. Yes. Anything else? Florida didn't make the cut. Sorry, Florida. (laughs) No, there was no California spots either, I'm afraid. Yeah. Canada, did somebody say? Uh, There was one place in Canada, in Newfoundland. Yes, there was a place in Canada. Yes. uh, New Zealand Zealand actually wasn't on there, though. It's a beautiful place, I'm sure. It would be a joyful place to go. Yeah. Florence. Florence. Italy, there was a place in Italy, but it it wasn't Florence. Uh, A couple other places that were on this list. Madagascar, Shanghai, uh, Bordeaux, Telluride, Colorado, and Houston, Texas. I know, I know. Now, poor Houston. We, we kind of poke fun at Houston uh, now and again from this stage. I mostly blame Paul for that. Uh, if you're from, from Houston, I'm so sorry about that. Uh, but yes, uh, Houston was on this list. Now, you, you might be thinking, okay, I'm just ready to, to write off this list if Houston is one of the 10 most joyful places in the world to visit. But I myself have actually never been there, so I'm going to withhold judgment on that. I'll leave that to you. Well, as these, uh, as these happiness experts came together to, to put together this list, they had to think through what is it that makes an experience joyful? What is it that, that makes a place a joyful place to go? And they put together a, a list of research-based criteria that they could evaluate these various locations on. So they, they identified things uh, like climate, weather, has a, has a big impact on, the, on our mood, it's gonna affect whether or not we're happy in a particular place. Also, culture, the, the food, the art, the music that's in a location. Uh, community and connection with other people was on this list as well, a few other things. And so they, they used these criteria to try to identify what would be the, the 10 most joyful places to visit. And I think this project, the, the Joy Index, it, it makes us raise the question, what is it that really creates joy? How, how do we experience more joy in our lives? Is it just going to one of these 10 places that these happiness experts have identified? Or is there something different? Is there something more? We're going to look at various passages of scripture this morning, talking about the theme of joy And the question that's going to guide us through is really, how can we experience more joy in life? 
Joy is the second fruit of the Spirit, the second character trait or virtue that shows up in Galatians uh, chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, that, that the Apostle Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. These are things that, that the Spirit brings up in our lives as we connect our life to His life, as we learn to walk by the Spirit. And joy is the second one. Love was the first. We looked at love last week. And love is kind of the, the chief of all of these things. It's right at the heart of God's character, and it's at the heart of what God wants for us as his people. The next two are joy, which we'll look at today, and peace, which we'll look at next week. And these, these three sit at the front of the list for good reason, because uh, they really are what the kingdom of God is about. This, this is what God wants, love, joy, and peace for, for his people, for followers of Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into this theme of joy. Joy is something that we all want. Right? Believers and non-believers alike, everyone is going to say, I, I want joy. I, I want to be happy. But that joy can be elusive. Right? It can be hard to, to find. Maybe we feel like for a while we kind of have it in our grasp and then it, it slips away again. There was a recent CNN article that was actually claiming that uh, this season in, in American history is the least happy that we have been as a nation. I wonder if, if you feel that. I wonder if that's the season that you're in right now. Maybe joy feels difficult to find. Maybe joy feels absent from your life. Well, what would it be to cultivate joy? How might we go about as followers of Jesus experiencing more of the joy of the Lord in our life? That's the question that we're gonna be asking today. Before we jump into a few passages on joy, I wanna kind of remind us what the fruit of the Spirit are all about. What, what is this list all about? You know, it, it, it's not a list of commands. Paul doesn't say, be more loving, be more joyful, be more peaceful, right? It, it, they're called fruit of the Spirit because these are things that are supposed to flow out of a relationship with the Spirit. As we're connected to God by His Spirit, this is the work of the Spirit in our lives bringing about these things. So in that sense, this is something that is being done to us. But the interesting thing is that as we look at these various fruit of the Spirit throughout Scripture, and joy in particular, we find that there are also commands to do these things. There are commands to love one another, and there are commands to rejoice, to have joy. And so cultivating the fruit of the Spirit, cultivating joy, isn't just a passive thing. It's not just that we sort of sit back and let God do His work. Ultimately, God is the one who has to produce change, but there's also something that we are invited to participate in, that we play a role in the cultivation of these things in our lives. And so we're going to look a little bit at this tension, a little bit of this, this, the balance of these two things, of joy as a result of walking with God and joy as a command that we can lean into. Now, as we think about joy in the scriptures, uh, perhaps one of the first books that comes to mind is Philippians. Philippians, the, the theme of joy runs all throughout the book of Philippians. And this is pretty incredible because Paul writes it while he's in prison. Right? He's in jail for preaching the gospel. Uh, conditions were harsh. And yet in the midst of that, Paul himself is able to find uh, an incredible depth of joy. And he wants to exhort us in that way as well. So, for example, if we look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, we hear him say this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. That's a high bar, right? One that we're probably never actually going to hit in this life, to, to constantly be rejoicing in the Lord. And yet, I think what the Apostle Paul wants us to see here is that, that joy is, may, might be more readily available to us than we first think. That we might be able to experience more joy in life than sometimes we think is possible. And so Paul wants to, to, to caveat this in a way, right? He wants to, to call us to rejoice in the Lord, he says, which is a significant phrase. Rejoice in the Lord. If we're going to go about cultivating joy in our lives, this is what we need to do. We need to learn to rejoice in the Lord. And there's a couple different things that are meant by this, right? One is to base our, our joy and happiness, not exclusively on our circumstances, but instead to look to what we know to be true in the Lord. So if you go to Houston, Texas, you might have an incredibly joyful experience or you might not, I don't know, right? If you go to Hawaii, you might have an incredibly joyful experience or maybe not, I'm not sure. But either way, you're gonna come home and all of the things in life that were difficult before you left are still gonna be there, right? The challenges at work, the challenges with health, the challenges in your family, all of these things are still there. And so we come out of this joyful experience and we step back into the hardship of life. And our first response might be to say, I got to start planning the next trip, <laughs> right? I have, to, I have to find ways to recreate this experience of joy that I just had. And there is merit in finding joy in our circumstances, but our circumstances are going to let us down. And if we base our sense of joy on what's happening in the world around us, that's going to be a fleeting kind of joy. And so Paul says, let's rejoice in the Lord, right? Let, let's rejoice in what we know to be true of who God is and what he's done for us. Of the fact that, that God is the creator of the universe, that he created us and he loves us more than we could ever understand. That he's forgiven all of our sins. He no longer holds those things against us. He's adopted us into his family, fully accepting us as his children. And he's given us his spirit to live inside of us, right? to do this work of transformation and to, to connect us to the very life of God. Right? This, this is what is ours if we have placed our faith in Christ. This is who God is and what he's done for us. And those truths are unchanging. So no matter what's going on in life, no matter how, how good or how, how hard it might be, no matter how much joy or lack of joy we experience from what's going on in life, we can come back to these things that we know to be true of who God is and what he's done for us. This is what it means to rejoice in the Lord. But there's another sense also in which we could think of this phrase. To rejoice in the Lord could also be to, to rejoice by means of the Lord. That is through, through the supernatural power that the spirit provides. Because even though we all want to experience joy, the reality is that sometimes we just can't find joy, right? Sometimes, sometimes we're going through life, we're, we're longing for joy, we're searching for joy. Maybe even we're looking to the Lord for joy and we're just coming up empty and there's nothing, there's nothing there for us. And it's in those moments without any explanation 
without any, any real way that we can understand it, that, that the Spirit can come into those spaces and He can fill us with the joy of the Lord. A, a supernatural feeling that's not, not dependent on what's going on around us and it's not something that we can kind of drum up in ourselves, but it's just a gift from the Lord. We want to rejoice in the Lord. If we are going to be joyful people, we need to learn to rejoice in the Lord. There's another way, though, that we could think about cultivating joy. And we see this modeled for us in Psalm 100. The book of Psalms is full of joy. It's full of lots of things, a lot of range of human emotion. But one of the things that we find there is joy. And Psalm 100 is a psalm that models how we can cultivate joy. This is what we find there. The psalmist says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. This is a psalm of thanksgiving. It's kind of the category of psalms that that it falls into. It's also a, a, a psalm of corporate worship. This is a song that's meant to be sang and was sang in Israel as a part of their corporate worship. And we see that here, this is a call to to come into worship with a a spirit of joy. And actually worship can help cultivate this joy in us. We started our service this way this morning of declaring joy in the house of the Lord. And and sometimes I think there's this tendency to, to try to separate joy from happiness, right? As if like we can be joyful without kind of feeling happy. But that doesn't seem to be a distinction that's made here in this psalm. It doesn't seem to be a distinction that's made in scripture. As the psalmist talks about joy, about rejoicing here, it talks about gladness. What, what is that? That's, that's happiness. It's a, fe- a feeling that we get to experience in worship. So this is what the the psalmist is inviting us into, but then he gives us a little bit more on how we can go about cultivating that joy, especially when we don't find it. And so in verse three, he basically does what Paul was talking about in Philippians four. It's rejoicing in the Lord. He's recounting what, what we know to be true about who God is and what he's done. Know that the Lord, he is God, right? He's the one who's made us. We're his, we're his people. It's recounting who God is and all that he's done to redeem us, rejoicing in the Lord. But then he's going to take it even one step further in verse four, where he says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Give thanks to him and bless his name. So here the psalmist wants to bring in thanksgiving, wants to bring in gratitude. And if we are going to learn to cultivate joy in our lives, and if the spirit is going to come alongside us and cultivate this joy within us, we need to learn to practice gratitude. Practicing gratitude is, is, is simply the practice of paying attention to the gifts of God, the grace of God in our lives and giving him thanks for those things. It's just, just noticing, noticing where, where is God's grace? Where are the gifts that he has given me? A few weeks ago, I had somebody encourage me to, to attend to or to contemplate beauty and just kind of see what happened. And so I went on a hike with a friend and I just thought on this hike for these two hours, I'm just going to pay attention as carefully and closely as I can to all of the beauty that's around me in nature. 
I love to spend time in nature as a family. We love to go hiking and camping. And there's, there's always an element of kind of awe in those things, right? Where you're connected with God as the creator and you're seeing his creativity and his power all around, his beauty at display. But as I took this particular hike to just try to notice beauty everywhere I could find it, I was amazed at how much I tend to miss. Do you know how many shades of green there are out there? I mean, it, it was amazing. There was dozens of different shades of green. I'm seeing sage green and, and minty green. And then this, this plant that's just like this vibrant lime green and this sort of dusty, rusty green and just all of these shades of green. I just started noticing them. I'm like, this is, this is amazing. This is beautiful. At one point, I, I, I turned the, the corner on a trail and I saw there in the middle of the trail was this, this one lone plant standing there, about 12 inches high. And this plant was, it was thorny, it was rough, it was tough. It looked like it kind of knew how to take care of itself, you know, just this one plant right in the middle of this trail. And I, normally I probably would have walked right by it. But this time I stopped. I, I, I just noticed that this beautiful life in the middle of this arid trail, beautiful pink flower sitting right on top of this with a, a center that was just golden and yellow. And I just, I stopped. Normally I, I would have walked right by and I just stopped to notice it, to take in as much of this plant as I could. And then to just say, God, wow, thank you. Thank you for, for putting this here. Thank you for your beauty, your power that I can see here. If we pay attention, we can see beauty all around us. And this is the way that it works with God's grace. Right? So often, in the hustle and bustle of life, we're so busy, we're so distracted that we're not even paying attention to all of the gifts that God has given us. We're not even noticing all of the ways that God is pouring out his grace on us. But if we stop and notice, if we just stop and look around, we'll see it everywhere, right? An encouraging comment from a coworker, a hug from a loved one after a hard day, the, the warmth of the sun shining on our face on a cool morning, the hills along 280 as you're driving to work, right? All of these things, if we just pay attention, we just begin to notice, wow, Lord, there's so much here. There's, there's so many ways that you're showing me love here. There's so many ways that you're, you're showing me grace, that you care for me. So we need to notice these things. We need to just pay attention to all of these gifts that God has given us. And as we do this, as we take time to notice God's gifts and to give him thanks for those, joy is the result. We, we, we just find ourselves being more joyful. So we need to learn to practice gratitude. So we think about kind of rejoicing in the Lord. That's a, that's a command, right? To, to practice gratitude, to come into worship with, with joy, that, that, that's a command. I want to look now, though, at, at another passage that talks more about joy as a result, as something that, that God is doing in our lives. And I want to take us back to, to John chapter 15. We were here a few weeks ago in our I Am series as we were thinking about Jesus' statement, I am the true vine. Uh, and it's this, this metaphor that Jesus gives of, these, the, the, of the, the vine and the branches, him as the vine and us as the branches. Let's look at what he says here in verses four and five. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. 
As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's a metaphor of connection. Jesus is saying, connect your life to my life and you will bear fruit. The, the fruit of the spirit, right? If you're connected to me, you will bear fruit. And then Jesus makes this statement at the end of verse five there that it just, it just stops me in my tracks every time. Jesus says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. When it comes to bearing fruit, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I think we, we hear that and we think, well, what are you talking about? We can do nothing. I mean, weren't we just talking here in this sermon about things that we can do to cultivate joy? What do you mean we can do nothing? I want to come back to that in just a minute, but let's look where Jesus takes this as he goes a little bit further. Verse 11, he says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus says, this, this metaphor of connection, this talk of the vine and the branches, this call to abide in me, the reason I'm saying these things to you is because I have joy inside of me. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I, I, I am joy. I am full of joy. And I want my joy to be in you so that your joy can be full. Don't you want a, a full joy? Sometimes we, we feel like we have half, half a joy, Right? a quarter joy, right? Wouldn't it be great to have full joy? Jesus says, I have that and I want to put it in you. I want you to experience this. But remember, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing, right? You, you can't have a full joy apart from me. It's just not possible. You, you can't experience joy apart from me. It's just not possible, the call that Jesus is making, if we're going to become people of joy, is to, to stay connected to him. We need to stay connected to Jesus so that his joy could be in us, so that we could experience his joy. We could be full of his joy. Now, now you might be thinking, so are you saying that the joy is only available to Christians, that we're the only people who can be happy? Right? No, obviously not. Lots of people experience joy. Lots of people who don't know anything about God experience joy in their lives. But what Jesus is saying is two things. One, he's saying, even that joy, when you find it apart from me, that's, that's joy that's coming from me. I am joy. And if you're experiencing joy, you're experiencing some of my joy. But if you're not experiencing it in me, there's a whole depth of joy, a fullness of joy that you're missing out on. And I want you to experience that. I don't want you to settle for half joy. I want you to experience full joy. And that joy is found in me. And so Jesus invites us in to connect our life to his, to plant our roots deeply in him so that his life could flow through us and his joy could be in our veins. This is what Jesus is inviting us to. This is what Jesus is offering to us, what he's calling us to, to be full of the joy that is in fact his. Now, I know that as we come in here today, uh, we come having all kinds of different experiences of joy. 
I know in a room this size that, that there were some of you who showed up today just ready to rejoice. Right? You were in a place of joy. And as we were singing these songs this morning, you were just, you were full of joy. It was just there, right, right there for you today. And if that's you, I want to say, praise God. I, I'm so grateful that that is your experience right now. And, and I, I hope that in this time, you can sink your roots deeper into Jesus so that that joy could be something that would remain with you. For others of us, and I have, I have a feeling that, that maybe most of us are here, we come in with a little bit of kind of half joy, right? We've got some joy. Sometimes we feel it more than others, but we don't experience as much of it as we would like. And if that's you, and maybe you're feeling some of that this morning as we're singing these songs of joy, maybe there's you know, something in you that says yes, and then there's a little bit of dissonance there. If that's you, I think the invitation for you this morning is to just talk to the Lord about that. Open up to God about that. God, I, I, I have some joy. I recognize that's from you. I want to experience more. I want to go deeper. Would you fill me with your joy? Just share that with the Lord. But I also know that there's some of us here today who, when we come in, joy feels like a distant memory. We, we, we can think back to times, to seasons where we felt joy in the past, but now in the present, in the moment, we're in despair. And that feels like where we're at. And we hear the, this message of joy and we think, yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice to experience something of that again? And if that's you, if that's where you find yourself this morning, I think the invitation again is to open up to the Lord and to share that with him and then to receive from the Lord that he is still with you even in that place. Even if you feel lonely, even if you feel isolated, even if you feel depressed, the Lord is in that with you and he loves you there and he knows you there and he sees you there and he wants you to experience his joy. We come carrying a lot of different experiences with us today. In all of this, we want to just, just turn to the Lord and say, God, we want to experience more of you. We want to stay connected with you so that we could experience your joy. You know, Jesus experienced more joy in this life than any of us will this side of heaven. It's amazing. And I think one thing that he wants us to hear this morning, that he wants you to hear, is that you bring him joy. You bring joy to Jesus. And he tells us as much in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12, verse two, it says this. This is an exhortation. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That means that as Jesus was approaching the cross, he knew exactly what was before him. He knew that the road ahead of him was full of pain, full of suffering, sorrow, and agony. And yet in the midst of that, he walked forward to the cross in joy. It was joy that drove him to the cross. And that joy was you. That joy was me. That joy was bringing redemption to a people, forgiving our sins, defeating sin and death so that we might live with him forever. And so when we lack joy or when we experience joy in other things, when we find ourselves distracted 
from Christ, we can come back to the place that even there, we bring Jesus joy. That he went to the cross for us and he takes joy in us. We're going to come now to the Lord's table, celebrate communion together. And as we do, I, I, want, I want us to think about this idea of joy. As you approach the table, perhaps you, you just kind of reflect on where are you on this journey of joy? Do you come this morning bringing lots of joy? Have you experienced joy this morning? Or does joy seem far away and distant? And then just offer that to the Lord. And then as you take the elements, as you take the bread, which Jesus said is his body, which is broken for us. As you drink the cup, which is his blood poured out for us. Just be reminded of the fact that Jesus went to the cross. He allowed his body to be broken and his blood to be shed because you bring him joy. Just celebrate that with him together this morning. So we come forward. Uh, if you're in these center sections, there'll be an usher who will dismiss you by road to come down the center aisle to grab the elements uh, and take it here or back at your seat. If you're in one of the sides, uh, whenever you're ready, you can come forward to one of the tables on the sides. There's uh, crackers that you can dip in the cup. There's also uh, individually packaged elements if you'd like. As we get ready to take the Lord's table together, let's pray. God, it's overwhelming to think that we bring joy to you. It's staggering. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for us so that, that we could be in relationship with you so that our sins could be forgiven. We just declare that in this place, Lord. We are forgiven. We are loved. We are accepted by you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for making that possible on the cross. And I pray, Lord, that as we come now, that we could know with confidence that we are yours and that uh, we have access to you through the cross and that we can experience your joy. Would you fill us with joy this morning as we celebrate all that you are and all that you've done for us? We pray this in Jesus' name.